We're in a brand new series called Red, and uh, this series, uh, we've called it Red because in nearly every single Bible, uh, the words of Jesus are written in red. And these red letters, they're filled with wisdom, and they're filled with hope for every situation life brings us. Let's pray this morning as we get ready for his word. God, we thank you for who you are. And God, we just submit ourselves to your word today. Uh, We know that it is always best for our life. And God, we pray that you would transform and change our minds to think more like you, to see ourselves the way you see us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you say amen? Amen. Have you ever felt so hopeless before around a temptation or a situation in life? Um, I don't know about you, but I have. And Sometimes a temptation, when we, when we continue to find a resistance or a temptation that is very difficult to overcome, sometimes we end up deciding to settle in with a mentality that just goes, that's going to always be there, and, and it will. But also, what is, what is a, a worse mentality is that I will probably always fall into temptation when that's there. And so, you know, as they say, if you can't beat them, join them. And so we get our little blankie and, and our pillow and we snuggle up to our most difficult temptations in life because, well, that's just the way it is. And, and we cuddle up and, and we settle thinking that there's no hope in that temptation. I don't know about you, but I have felt more than my fair share of temptations. I have had my fair share of times of cuddling up and settling in my mind that that's just the way it is. These things can be obvious things to you and to other people, and they can also be not so obvious things. They can come in the form of an addiction, uh, an addiction that is that everyone sees, and, and then there's addictions that nobody sees. There's, a, there's addictions that are addictions inside of our heart, like the addiction for approval and the addiction to be noticed everywhere we go, and, and uh, maybe, the, maybe the addiction to technology is, you know, hey, uh, you know, hanging out all day and all night on the phone and, and can't escape it, and it's just what I do all the time every time I have a, a free moment to breathe. Maybe it's the addiction to chaos and and turmoil or the addiction to sabotaging behavior. Um, Man, temptations, they're tough. You've probably felt them and you may be thinking of yours right now. And then I felt mine. The point is that the struggle is real. Temptation is real. It's painful. Temptation is messy. And, And the other truth is nobody is above temptation. And everyone's temptation is very different. And, and if we snuggle up next to it, the truth is that it can destroy our life. Today we're going to be talking about hope for life's temptations. Hope for life's temptations. And we're going to find hope in the red letters of Jesus. And, and I want you to know today that, that uh, if the Lord is bringing anything to mind, any temptation to mind that you may have snuggled up next to I want you to know today that you are supposed to be here, that Jesus knew you needed to hear his words of hope for your temptations. Today, we're going to use a basic research tool. Uh, They call it the five W's, or it can even be the six W's or the four W's. And then I'm going to use the five W's and the H. And these are some questions we're going to ask about temptation. And and we're going to ask Who, what, when, where, why, and how 
about temptation. We're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 1 through 11 to find the answers to these questions. And, and before we take a look into the Word, I want to give you a little bit of a context. Matthew is a book in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And to set the scene for you, before chapter 5 happens, here's what happens. is Jesus, he has just been baptized. And he is in front of the entire world. He's, he's been chosen by God and and, and God even spoke out of the clouds in front of this crowd of people and said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And people begin to identify Jesus as the Messiah. And there was a huge crowd there that day to witness this incredible moment. And Jesus is getting ready to walk into what theologians call Jesus' true ministry. And it was really the last three years of Jesus' life before he went to the cross. And isn't it just um, like Satan, before we step into the meat of our purpose and what we were designed for on this earth, right before Jesus steps into these final three years of his life, he's led away and he's tempted. Isn't, Isn't that just how it seems to work for you and I? I mean, right before we're getting ready to step into a new season, a new purpose, a new destiny, a new place of anointing, a new marriage, parenthood, a a new position at a job, a a new career. Here comes temptation. Well, here's the first question we're going to ask today about temptations. Where does it come from? I hear people say all kinds of things about where temptation comes from. Well, let's settle the answer to this question. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, the first part of verse number 1. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want you to understand a couple things. Spirit, God, God is God the Father, He's God the Son, Jesus, and He's the Holy Spirit. And so, Then Jesus was led by God into the wilderness. I want you to know that the answer to where does temptation come from, well, temptation comes from God. Nobody's actually tempted by God, but temptation is from God. And you might be going, well, that doesn't sound very fair. I know it doesn't sound fair to me either, but let's let's keep listening to what the Word says. There's an interesting parallel story to this story found in Genesis Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17, it says this, the Lord God placed man in the garden. He placed Jesus in the desert. But he put man in the garden to tend and watch over it. And the Lord God warned man, you may freely eat of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat its fruit, but just so you know, you will surely die. (laughs) Right there in the middle of the perfect garden, God who created all things, created This temptation, this tree right in the middle of the garden created by God himself, put there, planted. Temptation was laid there before Adam and Eve, and temptation is laid there before Jesus as he's in the desert. And temptation lays there before you and I as we walk this life's journey. Let's answer the next question regarding temptation. Who is our tempter? The, same, the answer is found in the same verse. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, led there by God to be tempted by who? God? No. He, he's, he was led there to be tempted by the devil. The answer to this question is the devil is our tempter. 
We can't blame God. We can't blame other people. And although temptation can come in the form of other people, often the people who are closest to us, the people that we put most of our trust in, and our trust, of course, shouldn't be in people or positions or employers or our paycheck. It should be in God. But temptation comes in all of those horns. We put our trust in those things. And and then we blame those people when things don't go right. But we got to know that that the devil is our tempter, not these people. And, and just like Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert and Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil in the garden, you and I are tempted by the devil as we walk in this journey called life. Did you know that temptation has a voice? Yeah, it talks to us. It says stuff like this. You are the only one facing this temptation at this level. Nobody else fights it like you. Nobody else fights doubt, the devil says, in God's word like you. You should feel ashamed of that. Nobody else battles lust like you. You should be ashamed of that. Nobody else has uh, identity issues and, and body issues like you. You should be ashamed of that because you know the word says that you were created in his perfect image. So you should be ashamed and you're alone because nobody is like you. That's what the devil loves to do. And, but as we see in his word, the, the good news is, is we're not alone. Adam and Eve were temper, temp, tempted, just like you and I. And actually, Adam and Eve are a representation of all of humanity. And actually, Jesus Christ himself, he was tempted. And the, the devil likes to say, you're alone. And God says, hey, son, daughter, no, that is a lie. You are not alone everybody is tempted. I don't want you to feel alone and separated and secluded in your temptation. We're all in this together. Temptation is wrapped up for everyone. Let's answer the next question to temptation. Is The next question is this, why are we tempted? Why? I mean, God, why? If you love everybody, then why temptation? If you're such a loving God, then, then why evil in the world? Why temptation before us? That's got to be one of the biggest questions surrounding God because people are like, okay, if you want me to believe in God and you want me to believe he's loving, then why? Why why is there so much evil in the world? Why is temptation sitting around every corner? Well, let's answer this this question. The answer to this question is simply this. We have been given a choice. We've been given a choice. See, God created you and I with a free will. And that's so important for us to understand. See, there is nothing uh, more beautiful um, than a free will relationship. That's what's so beautiful about marriage. That I, I choose to love you and I choose to be with you. I have, I have lots of choices. And out of everybody in the world, Krista, I choose you. But... There is nothing uglier than a forced relationship. Nothing uglier than when two people are forced to have a relationship with one another. A relationship like that is done through manipulation, bullying, abuse. Forced relationship ends in pain. But a relationship of free will, love, and trust, we celebrate people for Loving one another for 50, 60, 70 years of marriage or a long career. And during that entire duration, we all had a choice. 
We had a choice to stay through the hard times or go when it got hard. That's the temptation. But the beauty in temptation is I get to choose. That's what's so ugly and beautiful about it. But whenever love is demanded, controlled, manipulated, and abused, it always ends in disaster. And God doesn't want to have a relationship like that with you. He doesn't want to control you. He doesn't want to manipulate you. And he doesn't want to force you into a relationship that you don't want to be in. Don't we encourage our friends when they're in a relationship like that, that's, that's controlled and, and demanding and, and manipulated and, and forceful? Don't we tell our friends, get out, get out of that relationship. Don't let yourself be abused like that. Well, God won't force his love on anyone because we have a free will. Think of it like this. It's in our free will, in our control to choose God or not. Adam and Eve had that same choice in the garden to choose, but it's in all of this choice that we have that, that when God created humanity, he actually gave control. He didn't take control. He said, here's the garden. I give you control. Take dominion. Take authority. I give you free will, and I give you choice to choose life or to choose death. He lays it all before us, and he gives us a choice. A quick education that in the garden, everything that humanity needed was there. Every provision was there for humanity. God created another person in the garden so that together they can fill each other's natural needs and natural desires for love and belonging and, and food all the way around the garden so that, so that the, the needs of the body can be met and, and the taste buds of the body can be met. And, and, and food is joyful and it tastes good and it's fun and it's satisfying and it, and it fills our desires. The enemy always whispers, just like he did in the garden, to Adam and Eve, hey, I know that all of this is provided for you as a, a perfect provision for God, but there's one thing right here that, that you can't touch, and, and, and this tastes really good. You should try it out. And temptations, they, they come in, in, in crazy ways, and, and they're always going to be there because we're always going to have a, a choice to, to, to choose a relationship with God or not and choose his way of provision or not. But temptations, they come in funny choices like the temptation to tell the truth or to lie. I mean, does anybody like to be lied about? I don't. Doesn't being lied, doesn't it hurt when you're lied about? Doesn't it, doesn't it cause death in relationships when you're lied about? And sometimes it starts attacking your identity and causes you to be really confused and it does nothing but rob and s- steal joy from you. Temptation comes in the choice of being honest or cheating. Anybody like to be cheated? Anyone like to be manipulated? I mean, we can go down the path and, and say that the cheater and the liar, he's, he's bad, and, and you're going to go to hell when you do those things, and, 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 and we can get real hard and be crazy on religion, but, but anybody like to be cheated? No, I, I don't either. You know why God hates that stuff? Because it hurts his kids. That's why he hates it. I don't want to be cheated and manipulated through life. It leads to pain. It ruins marriages. It ruins relationships. It's, it's, it's hard to bounce back when you've cheated a lot of people. And God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to bounce back. He, he wants you to find trust and health and, and good relationships with people. Adam and Eve 
had the choice in the garden, and, and Jesus had the choice in the wilderness, and we have that same choice today. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the whole world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes, whosoever. If you choose to believe or if you choose not to believe, the one who does choose to believe, he won't perish, but he'll have everlasting life. Choice always lays before us. That's why there must be temptation. And God does not tempt us, but he lays it there in his love for us because he does not want to force or manipulate you into relationship with him. There's another reason why we're tested. It's to mature us. James 1, 2 through 4 says, consider it pure joys, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James, I don't consider that joy. It's not fun to be tempted. It's not fun to face trials. You are like the craziest dude I've ever seen in my life. And you're telling me to enjoy temptation and to consider it joy? You're nuts. But he says, I want you to know that when you pass these tests, the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. In other words, it makes you strong. It makes you better. And when you're stronger and you're better, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. The truth is, tests, temptations, they're just a basic tool of assessment. My daughter is constantly taking tests to see how well she's doing in reading and spelling and math. And when she fails, she could see where she's weak. And then a good teacher comes in and they, they give coaching and they bring encouragement and they bring truth and they, and they help you along to learn more. And what happens after that test, after that coaching, after that education? All of a sudden, Ellie is stronger and spelling cat is no longer an issue. We don't have to think about it. We know it's C-A-T. And then we can go on to some new tests and, and learn some new things and, and fail again and get some coaching and, and get some encouragement and, and get some education and get some maturity. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, after all the temptation, after all the testing of adolescence and, and childhood, all of a sudden, you're an 18-year-old adult. And you're a whole lot more mature than you were when you were a child. And then there's more testing. And then there's adulthood and career, and there's, there's more testing, and, and then there's more maturity, and there's more clarity. You know, the good news is that we will be taking tests until the day that we see Jesus face to face. I just want to encourage you today. I just figured that would encourage you, that you will be testing the rest of your life, but it will make you mature and complete. The next question we're going to answer today is, when are we tempted? When are we tempted? We can expect to be tempted when we're vulnerable. The Bible says in verse 2, it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. How many of you know that when you're 40 days hangry, you are very vulnerable? I mean, so vulnerable. You, you're so vulnerable in many ways. I mean, 40 days fasting? Look at me. Look at this fast I just did. I was able to withstand some mighty spiritual disciplines. Jesus had to think those and I'm very hungry, and I deserve a good meal. I mean, can you imagine the humanity of Jesus after fasting for 40 days? Vulnerability comes in many different forms. It can come when we don't see our next meal. It can come when we don't see our next paycheck. It can come when we are stressed and discouraged about the distance between us and our spouse or discouraged about the distance between us and our loved ones, us and our friends. It, it can be, we can be very vulnerable when, when what we have is no longer enough and we want more. We can be very vulnerable. 
We can be so vulnerable that we fight and we claw to receive what is really not ours in the first place. How are we tempted? The next question, how are we tempted? Well, I don't know about you, but the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, and the truth is that there's not. It's kind of like going to Taco Bell, you know? It's like, you know, you could try anything that you want at Taco Bell. I, I know. You're like, how are we bringing Taco Bell into a sermon illustration? Here's the deal. I love meat. I love sour cream and a lot of it, and I love a lot of cheese, and I love lettuce, and I, and I love tomatoes. I love all those things. And you can wrap it up however you want, and it's still meat extra sour cream, cheese, lettuce, and tomatoes. You can wrap it up in a soft burrito. You can put it in a soft taco. You can put it in a hard taco. You can lay it out on a tostada or put it in a little boat of a tostada and call it a salad. It's all the same stuff. That's just like temptation. Don't go to Taco Bell for lunch today, though. Give yourself an upgrade. Go to Taco Casa or, you know... Theologians say, and the Bible says, there's really three common temptations when it comes to humanity, three common tests, and i got to fly through these this morning. The first, the Bible says in, in verse 3, we read about this, says, it says, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, throw, tell these stones to become bread. He was vulnerable. He was hungry. He, he was feeling spiritually proud because he'd been fasting for 40 days. So, so the enemy was testing him, and, and Jesus said, what's well, written? Man shouldn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is this all about? This is the test of provision. Theologians call this the, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? It's, it's simply the want for more. And Jesus provided us with everything, and, and it's the same old enemy saying, hey, what you see around you is not enough. Lust for more. I have more for you. And, and God says, well, I've created some boundaries, and I've created ways to take care of the lusts of your flesh, and, 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 and my way always leads to life. And the enemy's like, well, God's way, his way's slow. Try, 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 try this out. Whenever we choose the way of the tempter, we're, just, we're always doing it outside of, of, of the boundaries of God's love for us. Why? Because he gave us a free will choice to choose life or to choose death. And it always lays before us. And, and we're so vulnerable and, and, and we're vulnerable to temptation. And, and here comes this test of provision. And it can come in the form of unhealthy eating habits. It can come in the, in the form of, of uh, trying to fulfill the needs of the body in very unhealthy ways. It can, it can come in the, in the form of, how about the provision of sex? God provided a way to fulfill every desire of your body, and it's through this thing called sex, but it has boundaries, and the boundaries is called marriage. And sex and marriage is, is great, and, and, but there's a choice that you make with somebody to love them and to be there for them and to sacrifice for them and to not steal and take from them and manipulate them and, and force them, but to allow a free-flowing relationship of love and trust. And sex is healthy in those boundaries. Outside those boundaries, there's a heap of guilt, shame. There's a tug of war. There's, there's identity issues. There's all kinds of messed up stuff. Let's talk about the next test. The test of power is what I'm going to call it, the test of power. 
Theologians call this the pride of life. The Bible says in verse 5, then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and, and, and stood him up to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off. Remember, Jesus had just fasted for 40 days. He was probably feeling like pretty high and mighty. God probably just spoke some amazing things to him about his future and, and who he was going to be. And he, he, had to have, he had to have been sure of his identity, sure that he was the son of God, sure that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, sure that whatever he said out of his mouth that God was going to do, he had to be sure of one of those things. And the enemy came to test Bring a test of that power. And Jesus said, no, I can't throw myself off. Because the Bible says I shouldn't test the Lord my God. And the enemy brings that test to you and I and and says, hey, show everybody how powerful you are. Show everybody that you're God's man or woman of faith and power. Show everybody how God always listens to you. Tell everybody about how you prayed for this and it happened. And those are good You can do that in the right heart and the wrong heart. You could do it in the heart of pride or in the God of humility, bringing glory and honor to God, not about your prayer request, but about God's faithfulness. And this tests of pride, and and Jesus had to have been feeling really proud because, after all, he was the king of the world, but he wasn't called to prove his power. He was called to humble himself in his power and become a sacrificial lamb. The pride of life, the temptations, it's, it's, it's this temptation for the excess of power. It says, come on, show off, take control, manipulate. Pride says, look at me. It says, do it my way. Pride says, I did it. Pride says, take the credit. You worked for it. Pride says, hold me in high esteem. Pride says, when I walk into a room, make me feel more important and valued than everybody else in here. I want to submit to us today, um, I read recently some really interesting things about, about pride, but I want to sum it up in this statement that, that there's a test before us constantly. And any time we decide to take credit for something rather than giving it back to God, we're failing the test of power. Any honor we receive from any person is always an opportunity for us to give glory to God every time. Honor can belong to man. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about honoring people. He talks about honoring those in authority, honoring mothers and fathers. There's, 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 a, there's a great biblical principles in submitting ourselves to our parents and, and honoring them in that way. But can I tell you something? Glory belongs to God. And when we receive honor from anybody, we ought to pause and stop and give glory back to God. The last test that we see Jesus face is this thing called the test of patience. That's what I'm going to call it, the test of patience. This one's a hard one. Verse 8 through 10, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. Kind of like Adam and Eve in the garden. Eat this and you will see everything, the good and the evil. And he does the same thing to you and I. Hey, try this. And I will show you the kings of the world. And he says, if you bow down to me. See, this, <laughs> to, have, to have it Satan's way, you got to bow down to him. I won't read the rest of this scripture for time. You can read it on your own time. What is this test of patience? This is a test to the fast track of your dreams and your destiny. Satan comes so tricky in this test because he actually uses your calling to test you. Jesus was called to sit at the right hand of God. 
governing all authorities of the world. And the enemy came with that same sneaky test and lie, but he offered him a fast track to success, a fast track to his dream. And that's what he says to you and I. He says, I want to offer you a fast track. He said, Jesus, I want to offer you a fast track. Bow down to me. If you bow down to me, I will let you stand and rule all the kingdoms and have all authority. He says, bow down for me right now. And you won't have to endure the cross and the shame that comes with it. You can skip the road of rejection and and the pain by living in in this life. And and you can skip hard work and and sleepless nights. and, And your disciples will never betray you. And God the Father has set out an ugly road for you. But I'm offering you a shortcut. The test of patience was just before Jesus. And he said, go my way. You could skip all the hard stuff and you can have the keys of the kingdom. That's what he says to you and I. He says, hey, skip pain. Skip being committed to your spouse. It is so hard. I got a fast track for you, baby. It's called divorce. And it's called that hot secretary at your work. I'm going to give you a fast track to joy, sexual pleasure, intimacy, trust with another human being. He's, He's lying to you. Because God created that same very thing for you in the boundaries of something called marriage and consistency and the ability to choose or stay in that marriage. But he, he gives you this test of patience and he says, I want to offer you a fast track, a way out. Just come over here. He's such a liar. None of these tests are new. What should we do when we're tempted? What should we do when we're tempted? We should look for hope. We should look for hope. You know, that's what Jesus did in every one of these temptations, if you read every one of these stories. He went back to the word of God, and he went back to his place of hope. He had a choice to choose. Temptation lied before him, and the enemy spoke, and he lied before him, and he had an opportunity to choose life or death. There is a choice that will always sit before you and I, life and death. And Jesus, he found his hope in the word Did you know that we too, we find our hope in the word? Adam and Eve, they they could have found their hope in the word if if they just clung to life. Jesus did find his hope in the word. But you and I, we can too. Our takeaway today is we have a choice when it comes to temptation. We have a hope when it comes to temptation. And his name is Jesus. I want you to know today that choosing Jesus is not the easy way. It's, you know, it, it, the world and sometimes Christianity and church, we kind of paint it like it's the fast track to all glory, like it's the fast track to getting everything that we want to need in this life. And that's not the truth. That's, that's a lie of the enemy. I, I want you to know that, that serving Jesus is not the fast track. And in fact, it, 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 we, we are, we're going to experience everything that Jesus experienced because right? we're, we're, we're humans and, and we're always going to have a choice before us and, 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 and we're not alone in the choice to struggle and, and we're not alone in our, in our failures when we fail. But, but Jesus says, I want to give you a choice and God says, I'm not going to force my love on you but I'm going to always give you an opportunity to choose my love and I want you to know every time you choose my love, it's going to bring life to you. But you're going to experience pain. You're going to have to sacrifice there's no shortcut to the top. There's no shortcut to a long career. There's no shortcut or easy road to having a marriage of 70 years. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. We talked about that already. But God is faithful. He's faithful. 
to always prove his love to you in temptation, to always give you a choice in temptation to choose life or to choose death. The Bible says that he won't allow temptations to be more than what you can stand. And when you are tempta- tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. 